for anyone. If I talk about evangelism or prayer, everyone goes, oh, right? But what makes evangelism um, intimidating, scary, difficult? Marlon, you were kind enough to raise your hand, so I know you've got an answer. I mean, why is it difficult? Just rejection, especially like with loved ones. Yeah. They get angry with you, and then they ostracize you from their yeah. relationships. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't go well, right? Why else is it kind of scary? Say something wrong. Yeah, like it's the most important news in the world. It's like getting the wrong ingredient in the prescription, right? The wrong dosage. Yeah, that can be kind of intimidating. Other thoughts? It puts you in danger of getting canceled these days to try to share something with someone that works with you or someone you know. You don't uh -huh. know what kind of backlash that's going to come at you. Yeah, might be some and backlash. So then you start thinking about your business and supporting your family and things like that, and you tend to not say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Other thoughts? That's kind of scary. I guess I'm add to, to his point. It's just that. Uh, Hearing the gravity of someone like rejecting God in front of you when you know it's right and they don't yet. Yeah, so it could be. So it can be pretty heavy to hear. Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a new Christian, it's like this is the greatest news in the world. Who wouldn't want this, right? And so I just kind of blindly just talked to many, many people, and I found out well, actually, there's a lot of people who don't want to hear it, right? And, and I mean, but why? But in spite of all the fear that it generates, why do it? God told us to. God told us to, right? Obedience, why else? Not a trick question, by the way. Well, it was a true to. act of love. True act of love? Yeah, you want to help save the people you love. Yeah, I mean, you kind of understand that souls are at stake, right? And so that's... Um, so I think it's something that we all want to do, and um, you know I've been doing evangelism training for a long time. I think uh, like if there's one activity that kind of refreshes me and revives me spiritually, it's evangelism. I love doing it, even though I do get scared and I do get intimidated and I do kind of forget it, um, and I forget how enjoyable it is. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I can think my, my goal for this class is to try to take some of the, you know, kind of take some of the fear away, you know, give you some light training so that you guys can understand that. I think we're getting more chairs, by the way. Can we have, um, maybe squeeze in, oh, here's, okay, we've got another. Okay. So what I wanted to do, uh, first of all, you guys all have this little introductory handout. Let's talk about some prerequisites for evangelism. Like if you're going to share your faith, right? Yeah, you're getting ready for it. You want to sit down and um, talk to somebody about the gospel. What are some necessary steps to kind of prepare yourself? What do you need to know? What do you need to be? I mean, what do you think? If someone were to ask you the question, who is Jesus, could you answer it? Okay. So you need to kind of understand who is Jesus under you know some of those basic questions, right? Other things that are necessary? And to know the gospel. 
Yeah, so I think you need to know like what is it that you need to tell them, right? Like we can have a long discussion about why you should vote yes. Uh, you might have a long discussion about um, why evolution is wrong. But does that save people? Right? So there needs to be a clear understanding of the gospel, right? And the other things that you kind of need to know. How to be saved. How to be saved, right? So, yeah, sharing and conveying the gospel so that they can at least walk away with that understanding. What else? This one isn't intrinsic to us, but following the pattern of Jesus' ministry and the apostles, I would say being filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Yeah, and I'd say being filled with the Holy Spirit would presuppose yeah. you're saved yourself, right? Now, theoretically, I think somebody who is unsaved can share the true gospel and lead somebody else to Christ, but, I mean, what's the point of it? You're going to go to hell after that, right? So there is a sense where there's a divine empowerment um, that is given to us where the Holy Spirit does assist us in sharing the gospel. So, yeah, being saved yourself, being filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to walk in obedience. Uh-huh. You share the gospel with somebody, they seem to watch you pretty close after that. Yeah. If somebody you know or a family member or, yeah. or just waiting for that first flip up or you know, whatever it is. So uh -huh. You need to walk the walk if you're going to do it. Yeah, you need to walk the walk, right? Yeah, because once you do share the gospel with somebody, you're inviting people to look at you. Or you might disqualify yourself from preaching the gospel by the way you live your life. Okay, other thoughts? So what does the term gospel literally mean? Good news. Good news, right? And why is that an appropriate um, title to the message we preach? Why is good news such an appropriate title? Look at where you're going. Because where you're going to go? Yeah, yeah. Because you're not going to hell, right? So I think, yeah, it's liberation from hell. Um, what else is it liberation from? Sin. From sin, right? I mean, I, I've kind of noticed, uh, like when I sit down and talk to young men now, uh, I often talk to them about, is pornography an issue for them? And it's something where they look down, and I think most men and women know that it's a deep source of shame. Yeah, they can't stop. And so there's a sense where when I share the gospel, it's a good news where you don't have to do that anymore. You, know, you can actually be free from that. You know, or you, some of the bitterness that you might have towards somebody, you can be free from that bitterness, yeah. Um, it's a, re a relational reconciliation with the Father, whereas yeah. sometimes when you share the gospel, um, it just making clear that, that hell and death is you know, yeah. Why is it so bad? It's because you're separated from yeah. your father, the God that created you, and you're going from being in his enemy, suffering his wrath, to yeah. being his child and being adopted. So. Yeah, you can know the God <coughs> of the universe as Father, right? You can have your, you can be liberated from your sin, which separates you and estranges you from your Father. You can know the blessings of forgiveness, have hope of heaven, and escape hell, right? And so, I mean, obviously, um, Jesus talks about hell quite a bit for good reason. We obviously don't want to go there. 
that we're not going to go to heaven and say, well, at least this is not hell. Right? Heaven by its own rights will be a wonderful, joyful place when you're in full fellowship with the Father and those who are in fellowship with him. So what are so we talked about you need to like share the gospel, right? I mean, what are the essential elements of the gospel? Like what do you need to get through to somebody for them to be saved? Right? What do they have to understand? They need a savior. They need a savior. Okay? And why do they need a savior? Because of sin, right? So I think there's you have to talk about, you know, sin, you know, and its consequences. They need to come to terms with that. Okay, what else would they need to know? That there's a God who created the worlds, therefore he owns it, and therefore he gets to make the rules. That's who we've sinned against. Okay. So I think maybe the the authority uh, of God, right? Yeah, as shown in creation and stuff like that. But I'm just trying to get to core. Sin, the authority of God, right? And these two are related, right? God is your authority, and when you violate that authority, it is sin. Okay, what else do people need to know? That Jesus is the Son of God. That Jesus is the Son of God? Okay. So why do you say that? Because Jesus... Jesus is the Son of God, but he's also fully God. Okay. So this is kind of an interesting concept, because there's things that you have to believe to be saved, right? Uh-huh. And there's things that you can't deny to be saved. Okay? So, for instance, when you share the gospel with somebody, <clears throat> do they need to know the Trinity and the, have a working formulation of the Trinity? What to do you be think? saved? To be saved. You say, yeah. So I see sh- head shaking over here. No, why not? I think they have to know they have a savior. Yeah, so I think like Jesus as savior, right? And there's some su- uh, subcategories here, right? He's our savior because he did what? Died on sense. the cross, right? And he rose again, right? And this kind of drains into, right, the atonement. And that relates back to the sin. Yeah, that relates back to the sin. And so I think, and you'd have judgment here. You know, sin and judgment. So you have a bunch of, um, so sin and judgment, authority of God, Jesus is Savior, the cross and resurrection, which kind of feeds into the atonement. And what else? I think about the, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of eternal life, letting them know that it's not earned. Yeah, so I think making it clear, and the atonement really speaks of um, speaks of grace, right? We properly understand the atonement. You can't atone for yourself. It's a gift of grace. Very good. Good. But yeah, as I've gotten older, it's harder to convince people that just living a good life, we're born into sin, yeah. and we need a way out. That there's no yeah. way that we're not born into sin. So mm-hmm. trying to convince somebody there's only two places, sin and not sin, 
yeah. is really tough. You don't get there just by being a good guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the call, like, there's a call to faith and repentance. So it's not yeah. just knowledge, um, but placing their faith in what Christ did and repenting, turning away from sin and turning towards Christ. That there is, they, they are responsible to respond to the gospel. Yeah, so the right response. Right, so if I were to look at it, these, you know, these are all, you know, kind of what they need to know, right? So we kind of go back to the Trinity. Is there ever a place for bringing up the Trinity in a gospel conversation? Well, if Jesus is not God and fully man and he died, he's just another dude. So he's just another dude. So there would be maybe a context, like, what, what would be an example of maybe somebody that needs to know about the Trinity to be saved and accept the Trinity to be saved. Well, at work, I have a Muslim co-worker that does not who yeah. denies the deity of Christ. Yeah. But that's a, something he walks into the situation with. Yeah. Or if you talk to a Jehovah Witness, right? So there are times when I really need to camp out on this issue here. And that's the thing. is like a lot of times when you share the gospel, I mean, they have to understand all of these things, right? But there's certain doctrines that they can't reject. Like if they're rejecting the Trinity, it's like, you know, I need to spend some time. Because the atonement doesn't work if Jesus isn't divine. Right? At best, he's just dying for his own life. Right? He's not perfect. Right? So, um, Muslim co-worker, you would have to talk about the deity of Jesus. That's at the centerpiece. Um, sometimes it might be a, spe a specific sin that they need to turn away from, and you have to kind of... You know, explain like if somebody is an open homosexual that you actually have to repent of that sin to be saved. Right? That's why it's necessary to have that understanding of the Trinity to, yeah. to be saved because I don't feel like if you don't understand that Jesus is the Son of God, then you don't understand his authority and why yeah. you repent. And but what I would say to that is I think all of us, like, Trinity is something that you can't deny. Right. right. So I became a Christian absent the understanding of the Trinity. And then somebody explained to me, this is what the Trinity is, here's the scriptural support, and I said, okay. So you probably just want to start off with the Trinity. Maybe. Yeah, because otherwise, sometimes you get into like met, you know, theological metaphysics, you know, but they need to be in a position of you know, submission to the authority of God you know, and, and his word. And, um, and as long as they don't deny it, they're okay. Because, you know, frankly, you know, the Trinity is... There's a mystery to it, you know, having our arms wrapped all the way around it. Um, but if somebody's rejecting the deity of Christ, or saying that Christ was not a man, right? Those are some things that that becomes the the um, the battleground of the gospel. Does that make sense? So all that to say, you know, when you share the gospel, there's like this this general body of knowledge that we want to convey. Okay understanding that there are times when for them to really understand it and embrace this, we might need to focus on something else. But 95% of the time, this is the message that we're trying to convey. Does that make sense? And you want to make sure to get this first before you kind of talk about <coughs> the deity of Christ and some of those other issues. Okay? So, um, this is what I thought I would do. I'm going to do, uh, you yeah. I'm going to get a volunteer from the audience who wants to volunteer. I would talk to Nate, but you're watching somebody. Okay, you want to come up here? Okay. All right.
Lauren Great. is volunteering. Good for you, Lauren. Pass the points for you. Free <laughs> coffee because you did that. And so here's the deal. Um, we'll say Lauren is my cousin, and we're at a family reunion, and I'm explaining to her that um, you know I've become a Christian. There's some changes in my life, and I want to talk to her about it. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to share the gospel. And what I want you to do is we're going to have a discussion afterwards about what I did and did not do. Okay? So the gospel tract, as you see, is kind of written out here. We have it in pamphlet form if you want to get it up front. Okay? So you're going to watch me share the gospel. And then we're going to have a discussion about what I did and did not do. Okay? So, Lord, you know, we've known that, uh, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I became a Christian about a year ago. And uh, I just wanted to, you know, just, is okay if I can just share with you what I now believe everything? Okay. I mean, if, um, if you were to ask, you know, 10 different people, you know, what God is like, right, you're probably going to get 10 different answers, right? I mean, like, what are some ways that people would describe God? Holy. Yeah, holy. Now, remember, you're doing it from a non, you are a non I know. I'm still <laughs> thinking, though. Yeah. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Okay. Good. Yeah, he's good. Um, you know, it's kind of like the grandpa in the sky. Mm -hmm. uh, some people don't believe in God. You know what I'm saying? Some people mm -hmm. all kind of have like um, kind of a different understanding, right? But if I want to get to know you, Lauren, I mean, there's ways I could do that, right? I could follow you around. I could stalk you on Facebook, hire a private investigator, um, but if I or I could sit down and just talk to you, right? But if I wanted to get to know you, the only way I can really get to know you is if you speak to me, right? Okay, so, you know, when we want to get to know God, you know, how do we get to know him? Well, here's a, here's a Bible verse that God talks about. Can you read this for me? Sure. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Okay, so let's talk about scripture. Let's talk about the Bible. Right? And when it says inspired, that means it's breathed out. Right? So, like, you look at when we speak, um, we're basically modulating air, right? It's our breath being modulated. Well, so when we read the Bible, um, it's basically the Word of God that's, that's speaking, right? Do you ever read the Bible at all? Occasionally. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and so that's where I'm getting all this information, just so you know. Okay. So one of the first things we learn about God is that he's creator. Why don't you read this? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. All right. So, I mean, you're looking at how he created every, you know, star, galaxy, um, you know, this planet, all the animals. I mean, he created them. Now, are you creative all? Do you like to draw or paint? Oh, let, let's see you did. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <laughs> so you took a class at Flint Hills Technical College on illustration. Then you go out to the Flint Hills and you actually like just paint a masterpiece. Now the Flint Hills at sunset, and you're really proud of this. And so you have this nice ornate painting. You hang it up on your wall. And I come over to pay you a visit, and you ask me if I. Thursday, I said, yeah, I'm thirsty. Yeah. Can you grab me a Dr. Pepper? So you go into the refrigerator. When you come out, you notice that it's the painting's gone. Okay, And then you find out that I took it to the Flint Hills and used it for target practice. Now, what would your disposition towards me be? Then? 
pretty mad at you. Now, why would he be mad? Because <laughs> um, I worked really hard on that painting. Yeah. So, yeah. Treated it like it's trash. Yeah. It's your creation, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, is it fair to say that if you create something, you own it? Mm -hmm. Right? And so you look at the Lord, like the Lord created everything, which would include you, right? So, I mean, what kind of rights and privileges do you think he would have over you? I guess if it was like the painting, then yeah, I'm yeah. Okay, now ask me about evolution. <laughs> 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 so, what do you think about, you know, a lot of people believe that the world wasn't created, but it just came to be like, you know, evolution? You know, that's a great question. Do <laughs> <laughs> uh, you mind if I explain all of this first and then I can come back to that? I suppose. Okay. So, we're kind of, let's get that established first. Um, so, we established that God created you and He has certain expectations on you. Okay, now another thing about God is that God is holy. Why don't you read that passage? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Okay, now holy is one of those Christian words here, right? Mm -hmm. What do you think it means? Mm, like, without mistake? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, perfect, set apart, right? Some, you know, holy things is something that's like belongs to God and no, so when he talks about God being holy, it means that, that he's, he's perfect in every way, right? Mm -hmm. uh, in his conduct and everything, right? So you have a perfect God who created you, right? What would a perfect God expect out of you if he's perfect? Mm, I guess he'd want me to aim for that as well. Yeah, he'd want you to be perfect, right? And that's what it says here. You shall be holy for I, the Lord God, am holy, right? So... So it only makes sense, right? If the God's perfect, he would expect perfection. It doesn't make sense for a perfect God to expect imperfection, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So here's a question, Laura. You know me. You know, we've been cousins. We grew up together. Am I perfect? No. No. Even close? No. Okay. Are you perfect? No. Yeah. I mean, so we've, we've established that. We've kind of fallen short of that, right? And that kind of brings up another Christian word. God is perfectly righteous. Right? The rock, his work is perfect, for all his ways are just. The God of faithfulness, without injustice, righteous and upright is he. Now, righteous is another one of those holy words, you know, those Christian words. What do you, what do you think that means? Good. Like, yeah. really good. Really good? <laughs> yeah. I think if you look at that first syllable, right, you know, to be righteous is to always be the right, to always do the right thing. And so God always punishes good. Or, I'm sorry, always rewards good and punishes evil, right? And, and that would be good news if we always did good all the time. But what does this passage say? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, now that word sin, I mean, that's used a lot, right? I mean, what do you think that means? Bad things. Doing bad things. Right? Bad things that we do. Yeah, do you think you've ever sinned? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean... Yeah, it basically is like failure to obey God, right? And and when you kind of look at the Bible, and this is what really got me, was if you look on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says that if you've ever um, been angry with, you're guilty of murder. Really? But you know, you think about, like, what's the difference between, let's say, murder and manslaughter? Right? It's, it's intent. Mm -hmm. And so God says if you have the intent, you're guilty in his sight. And that was like shocking for mm -hmm. me. I mean, that was something that kind of pushed me over the edge. And same thing with lust and adultery. and it, Because God looks at the heart, and if we fail in the heart, we fail him, because he wants us to have a perfect heart. 
And then, and this is the consequence, for the wages of sin is, is death, right? And that basically talks about hell. You know, that uh, you know, God expects us to be perfect. We're not. And we're guilty, and the sentence is an eternal death sentence. And it makes sense, right? Because if a judge tried 100 murderers and let 99 of them go free and gave one of them you know, a pass, I mean, would he be a perfectly righteous judge? He wouldn't, right? A perfectly righteous judge always punishes the guilty, and that's the problem, is that we're all guilty. So according to, Lauren, according to what I, I just shared with you in the Bible, if you were to die right now, where would you deserve to go? Hell. Hell, yeah. Yeah, and that's where I would deserve to go, too, by the way. But I do have some good news, right? So knowing our plight, you know, God <coughs> lovingly sent his own son, Jesus Christ. You know about Jesus, right? I mean, some. Yeah. And to save you from the consequences of your sin and to allow you to spend eternity with him. In fact, most famous verse in the Bible, right? Why don't you read it for me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Right. And so right there basically says... God sent Jesus into the world. And remember how you're called to be perfect and be holy? Well, Jesus actually was. He never sinned, never did anything wrong. He lived that holy life. And when he died on the cross, you know, the penalty for sin, which is death, well, he endured that death penalty, not because he deserved it, but because you deserved it. And so instead of you having to pay for your sin, Christ paid for your sin. And, and yeah, I mean, read that passage. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Right? So there's a, there's a story I like to tell about um, these two best friends who grew up together. And eventually they kind of went their separate way. Uh, one became a lawyer, then a judge, and the other one became a banker, very successful. But this banker got caught embezzling millions of dollars. I mean, and it was just very clear that he was guilty. And he was sent to court, and it just so happened that his best friend was presiding over the case, right? So what would be the loving thing for the friend to do? Right? If he's loving, yeah. right? You'd yeah. expect him to yeah. get some leniency, yeah. Yeah. Be, a, be a friend. But what yeah, would the judge have to do? have to give him the deserving sentence. Yeah. yeah. So the trial came and went, and the judge found him guilty, sentenced him to pay the harshest fine he could possibly pay. Right? Was he righteous? Yeah. But then he took off his robe and said, hey, I liquidated my retirement, I sold my house, I sold all my cars, I'm going to pay this fine for you. Was he loving? Yeah. See, and that's kind of what happened on the cross, <coughs> where you were indicted with full guilt, full punishment, and then Jesus said, I'm going to go ahead and pay this fine for you out of love. And that's why... Um, you know, it's very clear that you are saved by grace, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may be, right? So it's by grace. So grace means a gift, okay? It's not something that you earn or do. Okay. Um, now, Lauren, what's your favorite car? Mm, a Jeep. A Jeep? Specific Jeep, Grand Cherokee? Like new? Uh, no, like the Wrangler. Oh. Wow, 
very specific. Do you have like a special <laughs> color that you like? Yellow. Yellow. Oh, wow, making a statement. <laughs> so let's say I show up at your door and uh, I say, look at what I got. And I got a Jeep Wrangler that's bright yellow with a tricked out passage to it. Michelin tires on it, if that's what you like. <laughs> and uh, I give you the keys, and I'll say that that's 100 bucks. And you're like, really? And so you immediately go to Sonic, and you park the Jeep, and you just kind of pose in front of it, <laughs> waiting for people to say, where'd you get that Jeep? And you say, you know what? My cousin's an idiot. I bought it from him for 100 bucks, right? <laughs> that's what we do. <laughs> but what if uh, Arjun just gave you that Jeep for free, and they were saying, well, where'd you get the Jeep? What would you tell them? It's like, wow. That's an amazing cousin, right? Yeah. You see, if salvation was kind of designed so that we can do some work to take, we'll just take all credit for it, right? But God's designed salvation so that it's only of him. We only boast in him. It's all of grace and not of us. So, so what it comes down to is, you know, there's two paths, right? Either you pay for your sin or Christ pays for your sin. Yeah, that's why Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So, is all this making sense? Yeah, for the most part. Okay, any questions about it? Mm. I don't think so for now. Okay. So, yeah, so it's good that you're understanding this, but you kind of, like a lot of people just kind of know this, Mm -hmm. but the Bible kind of takes it one step further. You really have to embrace it. Okay. okay, and what it says is you have to repent and believe. And repent's another Bible word. What do you think it means to repent? Mm. To to be sorry for something that you've done. I think that's a great. Yeah, that's definitely part of it. Okay, so why don't you read this passage for me? Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, mm-hmm. and let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him and to our God where he will abundantly pardon. Yeah, so to re- repent is basically to do, you know, a one right? So you kind of go, you know, you go towards your sin, you do a 180 to go back to God, okay? Now let's say we're driving to, you know, Kansas City, and we left something at home. <coughs> so I have to go back and get it. And instead of doing a 180, I do a 179, right? Mm-hmm. If I do a 179 in um, Ottawa, Right, mm-hmm. or let's say better yet, we're on a ship, right, and we're going out to sea, and we leave something at the port, and we do a one seventy nine. Are we going to end up in the same place? Yeah, no, port. we're going to miss the port, right? So it's like an about face where you turn away from your sin and you turn back to God, and so that's to repent, right? So if you're, let's say you're lying, you tell the truth, you're stealing, you start to work. You're bitter, you become forgiving, right? It's turning away from your sin and, and pursuing Christ. And then, why don't you read this passage? That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Yeah, so there's a sense where, you know, Jesus, you know, he died on the cross, but he was raised from the dead to show that everything was paid in full, right? So we follow a resurrected Lord, right? So Jesus is not a dead man, we follow tradition. We actually follow the living Jesus. So that when you say that he's the Lord and he's been raised from the dead, there's a decided belief to follow him. And when somebody does that, I mean, their lives change, right? So, I mean, you know, I've been married for 20 years and you weren't at my wedding because you were 
in Guatemala on vacation or whatever. Okay, even though we're cousins. So, but you may not have been there, but you, you know I'm married, right? Because I got the ring. I live with her. We have kids who look like us. But that doesn't make us married, right? What makes somebody married is the commitment. And then once they make that commitment, that shows itself in how they live their life, right? So some people think that becoming a Christian means you act like a Christian first. It's not, that's not the way it works. You make a commitment to Christ first, and then you live out that commitment. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, does all of this kind of make sense for you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of hard to believe that a dead man can be raised. So. You know what? And But that's what the Bible teaches, mm-hmm. right? And if you want, um, yeah, you know, as far as evolution and mm-hmm. some of those issues, I mean, maybe I can, I can give you some books or something like that to okay. consider. Okay. But what I'm saying is, you know, um, hell is a real place. Uh, there is an urgency to this. I'm not going to pressure you into this. Mm-hmm. But uh, Acts 17.30, therefore, being, um, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that people everywhere should repent. So here's a question. If you wanted to become a Christian, do you know what to do now? I would have to believe that God sent Jesus mm-hmm. uh, to die on the cross to pay for my sins, yep. and I can't do anything to earn that. I just have to believe, believe that. Believe and Yeah, and so I think, and that's where I want to leave. Right? You know what you need to do. You know, and sometimes people, it's kind of like they can. I have a little prayer here, and those are like wedding vows. It only means something that means your heart. And clearly, you might have some other concerns that we could talk about. But mm-hmm. I think the big thing I would just say is. Um, <laughs> What is holding you back? Is it really, you're not sure about the resurrection and evolution, or is there something else? Mm-hmm. Right, so you think about mm-hmm. that. We could talk about that later. Mm-hmm. All right. All right, so thank you. Thank you, Lauren. For she started off on a character and then fell right into it. <laughs> so she kind of pulled it through. Okay? So normally it's not that smooth, but this is for demonstration purposes. Uh, what did you notice I did or did not do in that gospel presentation? You asked clarifying questions to figure out what her belief was. Okay, now why do you think I did that? Because you may or may not have known what her belief was, and in her answering those questions, that then gives you information in order how to proceed with sharing the gospel. Yeah. Like if I were to find out that she was a Catholic, right, I would probably camp out on certain points a lot more. Okay. Other things you noticed I did or did not do? You didn't chase the rabbit trail of evolution. Yeah. Why do you think I waited on that? Well, it's not the gospel. Yeah, it's not the gospel. That can be talked about later. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a very common mistake <laughs> that people make. You know, and next thing you know, you know, they're whipping out the Ken Ham and all this other stuff, and, and you're stalled at creation, right? And, and often I would say that's not the real issue, right? It's not the real issue, it's evolution. That's usually an excuse for something else. Well, what the real issue with that is that, that God is creator. Yeah. That's really the heart of that, that issue. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can hone in on, you know, like you don't have to win on that, that point of creationism or, or like yeah. how it happened, but like God created the world mm-hmm. is essential. Yeah, and however that happened, right? Let, yeah. let, let's not get bogged down into the weeds. But this is what the Bible teaches. And that's usually what I say is, 
this is the message of scripture, this is what the Bible teaches. Right, so I just stick with that. Whether or not you believe it, we'll talk about it later, but this is what the Bible teaches. Yeah, another stalling point seems to be the hell factor, as far as uh -huh. most people don't think they deserve hell. Mm -hmm. And so, um, oftentimes I've struggled with like, do I sit here and address this more, or do I just continue presenting the gospel? Yeah, and that's what I would just bear the witness of scripture. Well, what does this Bible verse say? Okay, so according to the Bible, where do you deserve to go? I'm not, I'm not asking according to you, but where does the Bible say you deserve to go? Where does that deserve to go? And so, the Bible says this. Yeah, so you make sure that their um, their qualm is with not with you, but with the Bible. So, because remember how I prefaced that? I said I want to show you what the Bible teaches about this. But then you can come back and readdress it later. And usually what I just say, hey, this is not all bad news, but just bear with me yeah. and let me let me finish this whole thing and then I can come back and, and deal with that. That's the hard part, because if you if you stop there, then all there is bad news. Yeah, and just yeah. say, you know, if I were to stop here, you're gonna have an incomplete understanding. Right. So let me explain the rest of it and then we can come back to it. Is that fair? And they'll say, Yeah, that's fair. Just that whole idea in general with both issues that your focus was not on convincing them, but helping make sure that they understood you know, yeah. what is the what is the gospel, and the goal of the competition wasn't to assure that they believe mm -hmm. any other, each of those points, but yeah. that they understood what it is that their the Bible was saying to them to yeah. to reject or accept. Yeah, I think another intentional move that you made was having them read the scripture. Yeah, why do you think I did that? Somebody understands something a lot more when they're looking at it with more tangible than what's just read to them. I think at times, you know, like if I had a new job and, you know, like information's just being spouted at me at first, and I have to think about it myself. I take it anymore. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're saying it, they're speaking it. It's one way to make sure they absorb it. I'm getting it from the source. It's not an interpretation yeah. or whatever. It's, yeah. This is here it is for you in black and white. Yeah, and that's just it. I mean, what else does this mean if it doesn't mean this? Okay. Yeah, the, I think that's that's an area where, again, it, it could be a, there's a lot of areas, kind of like the woman at the well, right? Mm -hmm. You throw up a lot of objections to obscure things from getting to the heart of the gospel. Yeah. And so, one, doing whatever you can to try and say, you know, this is not coming from me and if they want to right, yeah. this is read it for yourself yeah from the, from the I'm just the talk to the manager just right, yeah right I'm just yeah. telling you what the manager told me so you can talk to the manager okay other things you notice I did or did not do no politics okay <clears throat> stay away from politics stay on point stay on point right stay on target people can right, drag you down those trails yeah <coughs> I think you intentionally asked, like, so you know what to do from here. Mm -hmm. To make sure they understood not just, like, what is the gospel, but then their, like, actions yeah. in, like, living that out. Okay. You also gave illustrations with the definition of Yeah. And I think that can unlock the concept even better. Because yeah. you didn't just give the paragraph, here's repentance. Uh -huh. But you gave that illustration to make that definition applicable. Yeah. Yep. 
there was a balance in how you define terms. Uh -huh. So words like repent are commonly used in our culture. Yeah. So it's striking that balance between defining it in an accurate way without using wishy-washy language out of yeah. the Yeah, but did you notice how I, I asked her, what does this mean? Why do you think I did that? Yeah, if I were to just go on and just talk about holy, and she doesn't know what that means, we're going to have communication, you know, there's going to be significant miscommunication. I think you affirmed her too when she said, I feel sorry. Yeah. Like it wasn't just like a, well, that's not what repentance actually is. Yeah, like you you're affirming them and like making them feel included to where they don't just like shut down if you're saying, no, that's not what it is. It's actually this. Yeah. So I got to keep this and this. It's, it's yeah, I said, you know, that's part, that's definitely part of it. Yeah, why do you think I didn't close the deal, so to speak, and just say, do you want to become a Christian now? Well, not necessarily like pray and close the deal, but maybe just pray for them, pray with them. Yeah, and, and that could be something you could do if the time is right. Like, if they're clearly uncomfortable and they're like on the word of rejecting it, mm -hmm. the point of prayer is to ask God to work in their heart, and it doesn't have to be in front of them to work. Does that make sense? Sometimes you, you don't want to hold people what I call prayer hostage because that could be, um, they can perceive that as being condescending. And But if somebody is like truly moved by it and is like, what should I do to be saved? Well, let me pray for you. It could be a way of kind of reassuring them and then helping them with that. So you made clear that you weren't any better than she was, mm -hmm. that you were in the same position. Yeah. Right, according to this passage, where do I deserve to go? Where do you deserve to go? Right? And did you notice that at the end when I said, if according to the Bible, if you're to die right now, where do you deserve to go? And she said, hell. Right? And that's something to get them to say that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just sharing that sometimes the Holy Spirit, you know, will, it's, it's their job that you'll, you'll say the same thing and people will, some people will, you know, walk away totally rejecting and had a conversation where we touch on parts and aspects, most of the gospel, and to two un unbelievers and, and one of them uh, just kind of blew it off saying, oh, well, what, what have we, what have we learned today? But the other one said, well, I'm, I'm going to hell based on this. So like what each person hears, um, like you said, your message, you're the messenger. Yeah. And then the prayer part often is praying that, you know, God is going to be working in their heart as they're hearing. And like mm -hmm. Jesus talks about the, with the seed. We're sowing the seed, not knowing what type of soil yeah. that, that seed is landing on. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, like, when people bring up, like, evolution and stuff like that to me at the beginning, usually when I get to the, by the time I get to the end, they don't bring it up anymore. Because the real issue is I'm just trying to make excuses, and it becomes clearer. Right. So what? I feel like that is a rarity for someone to be like, after the end of like sharing the gospel, at least like in my experience. And so like when you get to like, so where do you deserve to go? Like they may say like, well, according to scripture, yeah, but like I don't know. Like I'm really not that bad. Yeah, and that's when I would say, according to the Bible, according to what we we just talked, where do you deserve to go? So I just make it very clear that your 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 problem is with the Bible, right? 
And you, when you disagree, you're disagreeing with the Bible. Are you prepared to do that? I think being okay with that disagreement, too, because oftentimes yeah. I'm like, well, maybe if I say a couple more things or give them a couple more verses, I can get them to see the truth. And so like, yeah. sometimes you just got to be okay with, okay, like this is what the Bible says, and if you don't believe that, like... Your issues with the Bible. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I think sometimes it's better to do that than sit there and argue with them for another half hour. Yeah, because I, mean, I think what you do in that case is the Word of God has spoken. Yeah. If you're going to reject the Word of God, that's on you. And sometimes I think that's like, could be like the pebble in the shoe, where they walk away from that and they kind of mull it over and think about it. Yeah, and, and if somebody's like, man, I'm having trouble understanding that, I think you go to the Sermon on the Mount. And I just, yeah, that's what I just tell them. If you don't believe me, just read the words of Jesus. Because people always implicitly think that Jesus is on their side. But it's like, oh, of course. And then I show them some passages from Matthew 5 and Matthew 7. Especially many will say to me on that day, you know, did we not cast out the, you know, that whole, what they, what they do, and he says, away from me, you practice lawlessness. Like, Jesus actually said that? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> right? So sometimes I think just showing people the truth of Scripture is just living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. So, and I think you're right. You just leave it there and see what happens. I okay. think what's interesting Yeah. It's like it's always when you're presenting the gospel to somebody more personal, like there's the relationship to consider too. And if they yeah. feel like you're mad at them for not believing, yeah. then that that's that hurts that gospel message that you just gave them, right? Yeah, and I think like how many of you like if you have like a disagreement with somebody, like change your mind on the spot. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like Scott yeah. and I go back and forth, change and I just change my mind on the spot. Usually what takes place? You both leave, you think it over, you consider maybe something they said that is new, right? And you try yeah. and fit it into yeah. your worldview. Sometimes what they've brought in has challenged something and yeah. maybe you follow up in a conversation later. Yeah. Many times you'll refer back to conversations. Oftentimes a conversation like this happens and that creates lots of other conversations as you mm -hmm. follow through. You know, what, what yeah. did, have you thought of a lot, anything about, mm -hmm. you know, well, I really, what about that part? And yeah, I mean, there, there are some people who are just going to be very agreeable, and so they want to agree with everything you say because they have fear of man issues or whatever. And so you might talk to them, and they will just say, oh, yeah, and you think you're going places with them, but that's just because they're very agreeable. Mm -hmm. You might have people who are very disagreeable, but that doesn't mean that they're not listening. And so I think there's just confidence that the Word of God is doing a work, and it will keep on working on them, right? 
So it's like literally, you know, you, you plant the seed and see what happens. But yeah, I think when you kind of force it a little bit, it stifles their ability. You know, that can be more of like conversion by manipulation, right? Where and you look at that's the way a lot of evangelism used to be. You got to close the deal. You got to secure the commitment. And, and notice I didn't try to get her to do it on the spot, right? This has to be kind of her idea, something that she wants to do. Any other thoughts? Would you agree though that there still is a call though that mm -hmm. you're making to them that you're saying that you're telling them in earnestness? Yeah, and I did that at the end. Remember how I read that passage in Acts, and I said, "Hell's a real place. Don't sleep on it." But this has to be your decision. Yeah. And I made sure that she knew how to become a Christian. And when she did, I'm like, "Okay, you got it. You know what to do." And there was kind of an invitation to maybe talk more about it later. So maybe in the follow-up conversation, I might talk about evolution. I might talk about proof of the resurrection and some of those things if that's necessary. But I want to make sure that it's all squared away here. Yeah. Or even just challenge her, like, um, you know, this is how I do apologetics right now, is I just say, if I could prove to you in the next five minutes that Jesus rose from the dead, everything he said is true, the Bible is true, would you become a Christian at the end of those five minutes? And the answer is always no. So the issue is not proof. You know, the issue is really you don't want to become a Christian. So why don't you want to become a Christian? What don't you want to change or give up? And so I kind of make that the battlefront, you know, about their, their sin. Because that's usually the case. It's a smokescreen for something else. Yeah, and I would add, like, with that call, um, it's it's not, there are times when people will hear the gospel and God's either worked through conversation or things in the past. Um, and I think the first time I really understood the gospel um, it was, you know, at, a, at like a, a conference as a youth, and I had heard it during the day, and my, the first one-on-one -on -one conversation that I had with somebody, and they went through, and I had a lot of objections, what about this, and what about that, and they worked through, and by the end of the conversation, I, the person, they, they invited me to a call, and I was like, okay, like, it just made sense at that moment. Yeah. So, it's not... To exclude that from happening, it's just we don't know what we have to be open to what God is going to do in that person's yeah. life and the timing about yeah. whether we're the person that's planting the seed or watering or reaping the harvest. Yeah. And, and there's different. She's my cousin, right? In this situation, she's my cousin. I knew that there right. would be follow-up opportunities. Um, if this was an airplane trip and this was like the <laughs> one and only time I'll ever talk to him, yeah, that would be different. Yeah. That makes sense. So uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of this is just you know, there's just a wisdom to know, but you want to make sure you get the content out. Okay. Other so one thoughts? thing, just real quick, is is like the person who's just agreeable, mm -hmm. and you lead them in the prayer, but it's not really heartfelt. Yeah. Then, yeah. then they run around with the idea yeah. that they are saved. When they are. Yeah, yeah, and all they're trying to do is please you at the moment. All right. So that's. Uh, yeah. So, and you, you just think, wow, they're just, you know, why aren't they changing? Why aren't they doing, why aren't they coming to church? Well, because they're agreeable with the friends who don't want them to come to church. I don't know if you talked about this in the beginning, so but what are your entry points if you're on a plane? That's your cousin. We'll talk, we'll, we'll, we'll keep up, we'll, we'll talk more about that. Because I think that's, on, yeah, a lot of times, if we just get on the gospel track, it's fine. Yeah. 
but the entry point, um, there's different ways to to get to it. And I've kind of found that you have to be a little bit more patient uh, in this day and age. But, I mean, we're talking, at the elder meeting, I mean, we're seeing like real genuine conversions happening, and it's been pretty awesome. So, I mean, there's an appetite for it. Yeah, and here's, you kind of look at my basic presentation, I kind of start with the Bible, I establish the authority of the Bible first, right? Because I'm always going to, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Then I go to God as creator, holy, righteous, then perfectly loving. And those are all the Bible verses that I use uh, to kind of justify it. So that's just, that's the, that's the gospel presentation I've been using for a long time with the scriptures that I take them to. Um, I mean, I, obviously there's there's other ways of sharing the gospel and conveying the same truth, but that's just kind of my logical flow um, that I have. And then uh, what we'll talk about next time, because a little bit short on time, is we're going to talk a little bit about a testimony. Right? <coughs> like, how did you become a Christian? Sometimes, like, if I had more time with Lauren, I would say, Lauren, let me tell you what this looked like in my life at the end. A lot of times if I'm like sharing the gospel with people, I'm doing contact evangelism, I have my little cat one with me, you know, and they're naturally not wanting to approach and talk to strangers who just want to watch me do it. I'll just say, hey, Scott, let me share how you became a Christian. Right? So yeah, sometimes you might not be able to walk through a systematic gospel presentation, but what you can do is just share your testimony. And people are often riveted by your personal story, right? You know, and so... Um, uh, yeah, so we'll talk a little bit more about that later on. Yeah. That's one thing when we were in Brazil, that was one thing I, I was around the, the youth, and so I was working on, that's how I would share the gospel, is I, would, I was trying to write out my testimony in, in Portuguese, and I kept giving it to them. Is this right? And we'd read through it together. What does that mean? Does that mean the right thing? Very nice. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yes, that's what that means. Well, I want to make sure it means that I was a sinner. You know? Yeah, that's right. Well, let me, let me pray for you guys and then move on to the next one. Talk our worship service. Well, Father, we just thank you for the gospel and this transforming reality. And Lord, if anyone uh, overheard this gospel presentation um, and that doesn't know it intimately, I pray that you'll do work in them. I pray that you'll give us the courage and the confidence in the gospel to preach it to many people, that you'll give us some openings and that we might see some, uh, some fruit and we'll just have the joy of just knowing that we're proclaiming your name and just seeing people transformed. In Christ's name, amen.